Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck. My name is Riley. I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And this episode is the class of 1973, uh, uh, Hall of Fame class of 1973, and we have uh, three inductees. Um, however, we're only talking about two of them. And the reason we're only talking about two of them is because one is somebody named Tommy Smith, uh, a player who played in the NHA for five seasons, one season in the NHL, and then also played in the OPHL, the IPHL, the MPHL, the WPHL, TPHL, every PHL that has existed in history. Um, and uh, who we talked about all the way back in episode 32 in August of uh, 2019, which seems oh, impossible. That's pre-pandemic. It's pre-pandemic. It's so long ago, I didn't even realize we were, we were doing podcasts in 2019. <laughs> Me neither. I, I've lost all sense of time. Anyway, um, he uh, he's obviously an old-time player, barely played in the NHL. We had never heard of him before, but later we actually, um, we eventually made him, when we did our Heart Trophy series, we made him our uh, unofficial NHA MVP three years in a row in 1913, 1914, and 1915. So if you're interested in that, strongly check, uh, urge you to check out uh, episode 32, which also features Henrik Zetterberg and Steve Eiserman. And you're like, if you've only been listening to us since we switched to this format, um, the reason we did that is we used to do, in the early days of the show, we did, uh, we picked one inducted player, one not yet inducted player, and an old timer. And when we mean old timer, we mean really old timer, like pre, pre and early NHL. And so that's why we we covered him. So uh, we are not going to talk about Tommy Smith today, but we are going to talk about the other two players who were inducted, um, who are Chuck Rayner and Doug Harvey. And we're going to talk about Chuck Rayner first, because frankly, Doug Harvey's case is a slam dunk and Chuck Rayner's case is not, I'm going to say. <laughs> um, not that it's the worst case we've ever seen, but it's also, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, as we talked about many, many times, Bill, the Hockey Hall of Fame standards for goalies have gotten a lot stricter the yeah. closer in time to the present that we've gotten. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so I don't know, like many of the guys inducted in the 70s and 80s and earlier, I'm not sure that Chuck Rayner's career meets the current Hall of Fame goalie standards. It certainly <laughs> met them in 1973, but that was which, 50 which years. Which is really weird too, right? Because... They're tightening it up as we go along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a goalie winning a cup now should be like a really big thing on the resume. And they're kind of like, yeah, but like if you win a few, maybe we'll start talking. Yeah. If that matters. But with players, if you win one and you were a very good player, you're pretty much in. Yeah, it's it's like if you were like, a, let's say you were a top top line player on a cup yeah. winner. And let's say you scored. Let's say close to a thousand points over a, a long career. Yeah. Not not point a game, but just like you know, always sixty, seventy points. Yeah. Um, it's basically like, oh yeah, you want a cup? Yeah, you're in. Like we're going yeah. to question it. And it's like I, I, for goalies, I agree. it's like, oh, you like, like I think Jonathan Quick will go in because of how ridiculous it was the the first year that they that the Kings won the cup that yeah. he was just like out of his mind bonkers and clearly was the reason they won that cup. But like if he hadn't done that. The next cup that they won, they were a lot of high-scoring games, and he he just had like average numbers. They were just a really good team. Yeah, managed to win every series in seven games. But he like 
if he only wins that cup, I don't know that I don't know that his case case is getting him in with the way they're doing goalies now. I, I think you have to win a con smite, like you said. Yeah. And I think also you have to do other things in addition to winning the con smite. And that's kind of insane given mm-hmm. that there are now thirty two teams in the league and only one there's only one con smite winner each year, and usually it's not a goalie. You know, yeah. it does. It does feel like I mean, it'll be interesting with Flurry. Um, it does feel like Luongo represents a bit of a cooling off of this. Like we yeah. can't let goalies in unless they're the best goalie of all time attitude that they've had recently. Yeah, but he's also got like top five stats. Yeah, well, he like, played forever. Yeah, that really helps. Patrick yeah. Roy retired. Like his yeah. stats are going to be like I think we've got like what Price and Lundqvist that are sort of in that like realm of like yeah. having a, a ridiculous amount of shutouts and tons of wins. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I think wins matter. I think, uh, and, and don't, don't forget too, like everybody sort of remembers Luongo for like playoff meltdowns and stuff. But before that, that guy was like, just, you couldn't Vancouver won a series against uh, uh, Dallas where Vancouver was shut out in all three games they lost and they still won that series. Like that's, absolutely ridiculous it makes no sense and it was uh, luongo against marty turco and it's just like the save percentages were both i think in the 950s it was just crazy goaltending that's but luongo was like that for years before that yeah he was, I used to, he was scored, the best goalie in the, the world when he was on the panthers yeah 100 percent. yeah so. the first time he was on the panthers yeah um, and then he came to vancouver and got that canuck stink all over him and fell apart. yeah because yeah. um, that's anyway. what we do to goalies so <laughs> I feel like this that's a fairly good introduction to Chuck Rayner, whose career is like, you know, good. Uh and and depending on how you think about the era, uh perhaps better than good. Um, we'll see. So when he, he so he played from nineteen forty to nineteen fifty three with a three year break for World War Two, like many other hockey players. I don't actually know um what he uh I'm going to see if I can see like what he did in the war, but he definitely, he took his time off in the war. So of course, as we always say, we cannot hold that against him. Absolutely. Um, he was in the Navy, um, but like any good NHL player in world war two, he also managed to play for the Naval hockey team. Um, anyway, uh, so he, he, he should have probably played, um, 13 years, but he ended up playing uh, 10 years. Um, when he retired in 1953, he was 13th all-time in wins. He was fourth all-time in losses, but that has a lot to do with who he played for. He played uh, for the briefly for the New York and, and Brooklyn Americans uh, prior to the war. And then um, on the way back, he uh, after he came back, he played for the Rangers. And this is, of course, once the Rangers are settling into like not being... Um, you know, like the that's the beginning of the Rangers' long uh, decline, and and that's evidenced by the fact that he made the playoffs twice in his career, um, which may or may not been of any fault of his. We will we will see the the th- four or sorry the three goalies ahead of him in losses uh, in terms of career at his retirement were uh, Roy Waters, Turk Broda, and Harry Lumley. And, you know, that's just that's more of a function of everyone playing a really long time relative to their competition. And he was also fifth all time in ties behind Broda, Lumley, Waters and Frank Brimsek. Uh, He was 16th all time in shutouts, uh, which is not quite on pace with his number of uh, wins and and games. 
actually it is way worse than his number of games. Uh, he was 10th all time in total minutes. He was ninth all time in games. So he's a top 10 goalie by minutes and games. And he was a top 20 goalie by shutouts, which is not great. He was also 13th all time in, in goalie point shares. Again, not really commiserate with his, uh, his length of his career, but of course he was on a shitty team. So point shares come from wins. He didn't get a ton of wins. Uh, he's also notably 18th all-time in uh, GAA at his retirement and the last player to qualify um, on that list. So at least by the hockey reference qualifiers for goalies, 18 goalies qualified, he's by GAA the worst. Now, unfortunately, we don't know save percentage, and so we can't really put that into actual context. It's possible he just was on a shitty team and he was actually making, you know, it's possible his save percentage was like 925. We don't know. Could also have been 890. I have no idea. Um, so it's really hard to look at that GAA and be like, okay, this is really damning. Arrow wise, of the nine goalies place, play at least 205 regular season games between 40 and 53, he's fifth in wins, so top five in a six team league. It's worth noting. Second in losses, so way more losses. Second in ties, though. Uh, uh, only two goalies qualify uh, in, in goals against for some reason. Um, second last in GAA. Um, oh, sorry, I, I I misread my notes. He's the second last in goals against if we're if we're looking at it most goals against. Uh, he's second last in GAA. Fifth in shutouts, which is uh, better. Fourth in minutes. Fifth in goalie point shares and third in games. So he played more than some, but was not as good as some, which is why I said. You know, I'm not sure this is going to hold up to scrutiny. His uh, season average is 14-21-7. and seven. Um, That is, of course, a lot to do with, uh, you know, playing for a shitty team. Three shutouts and 6.2 point shares. Uh, and that's a 43 average game uh, season of 43 games. Um, his 82 game average would be 27-40-15 with five shutouts and 11.9 point shares, which is 11.9 is fairly high. Playoff-wise, somehow, despite barely playing in the playoffs, despite just barely playing in the playoffs, he is he was a, still 17th all-time in wins But his retirement. And how is that possible? Well, as we've talked about many times, prior to 1927, uh, Stanley Cup final games were not counted among playoff games because they were with other leagues. So they'd actually only been, uh, you know, uh, Stanley Cup finals had only counted for playoff games from 27 to 53 so that's what 26 years and of course the playoffs were really short back then he's also 17th all-time in playoff losses somehow he only had one playoff shutout but that given that he played 18 games total um so uh it's not that you know it's not that many uh that he played he was also 21st all-time in playoff minutes somehow in his retirement <laughs> despite only playing 18 playoff games um did he play like a bunch of overtimes or is it just like that few people had done anything it's it's so the playoffs had gone longer so he had two two playoff series one of them they went to i believe they went to the stanley cup finals in one of them and uh yes and so that immediately just vaulted him into the top 20 in terms of like games played wow <laughs> or, or almost vaulted him into that um it's just because like the playoffs had gotten they they had more rounds and i, I mean because for years it was one round in the nhl playoffs and then you go play you know 
the, uh, the PCHA or the WHL. Or, yeah. And then after that changed, it was two rounds. And I think for a long time, they were three. Uh, I mean, at least prior to the, the two other leagues folding, the NHL playoffs, I think, were three games. Yeah, they were very short. I remember yeah. three-game yeah. series, yeah. Yeah, so he he was playing seven-game series. If for his two playoff runs, he was in seven-game series, and so he has more games played. It's it's very weird, though. You're right. It's very weird that he's on these leaderboards. So for GAA, playoff GAA, he doesn't qualify for the leaderboard, but if we lower the qualifier enough so he does, he's 14th all-time with a 243, so at least he has a higher GAA or lower GAA. The playoff GAA, that's something. Of the 13 goalies playing at least 10 playoff games between 1940 and 1953, he's 8th in wins, 4th uh, or ninth in losses, depending on how you want to look at it, 8th in GAA, 2nd uh, last or 10th in shutouts, and 10th in games played. Um, so that, you know, it looks a little bit worse than regular season, except for the shutouts in which he's, you know, at least it's the same, roughly the same number of shutouts as he has been um, compared to... Uh, games adjusting for area is a 325 GAA and he doesn't qualify for uh any other adjustments because of course he played before save percentage and most of the other error adjustments depend on save percentage he was never traded the only transaction basically is that the brooklyn americans fell apart and then he was um he found his way to the uh rangers maybe the rangers even got first dibs on the brooklyn americans players i, don't I have no idea his accomplishments. The reason he is in the Hall of Fame is he won the Hart Trophy in 1950. Uh, when we did our, um, you know, reevaluation, we had Chuck, uh, Chuck, we had uh, Ted Lindsay winning it instead that year. Um, however, uh, you know, that's partly because my attitude was like, you know, no goalies in la- except for Jacques Plant, apparently. Um, <laughs> He also finished top five. So he also finished top five in heart voting in 47 when he led the league in, in losses uh, and goals against. So, but also shutouts. So you got to think that some of these were some of these kinds of, you know, votes where like much what like with Al Rollins winning the heart, where some of it might've just been sympathy. The other thing is we talked about a few episodes. I recently learned that heart voting was done twice back in the day. And so it's possible that he got off to a really good start in both these seasons. And then he had such a lead at the time of the end of this, the year when he was maybe back close to the pack. People were like, they didn't, they were, you know, disagreed on who should win. So they split votes and then he won. Um, if we look at the heart voting that year when he won in 50, and I'm bringing this up for a reason, because as, as a, uh, I will explain in a second, um, <laughs> He's ahead, uh, so he got somehow he got two thirds of the vote. Ted Kennedy was next, um, not Ted Lindsay. Then the Rocket, then Sid Abel, then Bill Dernan. Um, inter- Bill Dernan's funny. We'll get to him in a moment. Um, so, like, I don't know. There was any. I mean, it's it's as we've said many times, Bill. It does feel like uh, people were voting based on their. Um, the city that they lived in. <laughs> so the Rangers writers voted for Rainer. Many of the Leafs writers voted for Kennedy. The Habs writers split between uh, Rocket Richard and Dernan. Uh, the uh, Detroit writers split between Abel and Lindsay. Uh, Boston voted for Milt Schmidt. Um, 
and not enough Rangers writers voted for a forward. And so I don't know. I could. I'm guessing here, but like, yeah, there's no, there's no way of knowing. Like, we'll never know yeah. what happens. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't even know how the Hockey Hall of Fame votes now. So how are we supposed yeah. to know what they've used to do back then for voting? But uh, the the funny thing about the 1950 Hart is that Chuck Rayner won the Hart, and he wasn't the first team All Star goalie. Yeah. That was Bill Dernan. As it should be Bill Dernan, because I remember watching. Uh, my brother and I used to own a videotape called Les Canadiens 1988-89, which was the 88-89 Montreal Canadiens highlight video, because back in those days, like, you didn't get a lot of TSN, yeah. so if you wanted to see how the season went, if the team had a cup-winning season or a very good season, they'd release, like, a highlight tape, mm-hmm. and uh, my brother and I wore through that thing, but I remember there's one part where they're talking about Patrick Roy broke a record by winning, I think it's either 10 or 11 games in a month. Um, and it's like yeah, the record was set in 1950 or 51 by Bill Dernan. And I'm like, yeah. who the hell is that? <laughs> and it's, it's, yeah, Bill Dernan was like the best goalie of his era. I think it's fairly, well, him and Broda, I guess. Um, I don't know how much they overlap, honestly, off the top of my head. Um, but, but, uh, he, you know, he was, like I said, he split the vote with, um, the heart vote with Maurice Richard, but at least according to whoever was voting for the all-star team, who apparently must've been a different group than voting for the heart, Bill Durden was the best goalie in the league, not Chuck Rayner. This is not the first time we've seen this with goalies. We've seen it. And also defensemen. I feel like we've seen at least one defenseman, like, like finish second in heart voting, but like make the second all-star team. And you're like, wait, what? That means there's two defensemen ahead of him in all-star voting, and he somehow came in second in, in heart voting? How does that make sense? Anyway, <laughs> like you said, there's no understanding the past. Uh, it's very weird. Um, yeah, so he only ever made uh, second all-star teams, but he made them three times. Now, keep in mind, there were six teams in the league, and so basically one-third of all, all starting goalies made the end-of-season all-star team at this point. It's worth remembering that. Um, he was a top five player by uh, total point shares uh, three times, uh, and they are um, somewhat overlapping to some of his Hart Trophy wins, I think. Yeah, there actually are, or his nominations, I mean. Um, he was top 10 goalie uh, four times. He was top five goalie six times by goalie point shares. Uh, that's 46, 47, 49, 50, 51, 52. So a stretch of about six years um, in a row, basically. Uh, except for 48, and he was a top 10 goalie 10 times, uh, 41, 42, 48, and 53. He was top five in wins five times and top 10 in wins 10 times, which is a lot. Uh, but again, keep in mind, six-team league. He did lead the league in shutouts once, but was only only once, and that is the only time he led the league in anything other than losses, I want to point out. Wow. Um, or ties, sorry. There was one year he led in ties, too. <laughs> uh, with that tie, to, ties to me is more impressive than uh, some other things. Anyway, um, he is one of only 19 goalies ever at his retirement to have at least five shutouts three times. Keep in mind, those, the season was only 48 games, so five shutouts in a 48-game season is is a lot. Actually, it increased to 70 later in his career. Sorry. Um, and I don't know exactly what day that was. He was also uh, top five in GAA five times, top 10 seven times. No idea about save percentage. He's top five in minutes five times and top 10, 10 times. He was one of only nine goalies ever at his retirement to have at least one season of 4,000 minutes. Uh, so he was a bit of a workhorse and that was the year he won the heart and might've had something to do with the heart would be like, you know, 
because they actually attract goalie minutes. Um, it's possible he was uh, he was second in go- in minutes that year. Probably I bet I bet Bill Dernan was first. Let me look. I'm sure it was Bill Dernan. Oh no, it was Frank Brinzik. Oh, I'm so disappointed. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, we haven't talked about Broda or Dernan or Brinzik, but I feel like they all have better cases. I guess we'll find out when we get to them. Um, I, I, I think the way that their names are much more recognizable in hockey history speaks volumes. Yeah. So we mentioned uh, the leading league and shutouts once. We mentioned the Hart Trophy. The other claim to fame he has for winning, uh, for being in the Hall of Fame, is that he led the playoffs to the 1950 Stanley Cup final the same year he won the Hart. And that year he had a 225 uh, GAA, um, which. Uh, let me see if I can see how that compares to. Um, anybody else. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can pull up playoffs leaders. I don't know if I can. It doesn't look like it. Can I? Maybe not. I was hoping I could. Um, it doesn't say he led the playoffs in GA, but. Uh, it's also like to qualify for that in the uh, in the NHL playoffs back then. I think you just need to play like one series, so you could easily like you know get eliminated in the first round. And um, anyway, let, let's look at the actual team. So they lost. Uh, they lost in the. Uh, they got like they lost to the Red Wings, and they almost won. It was in game. It was in seven games. Um. In the playoffs, nobody on his team scored a point per game. He played every game. Um, you know, uh, he had one shutout. I don't know when it was, but he had one shutout. And, like, the best scorer on the team was Penty Lund. Ooh, I've never so heard it's, that name before. Yeah, exactly. Like, the best, the stars of the team really didn't show up to the same degree. So I, I think... It's one of those things where I think you can look back and probably without actually watching the games, probably say that he had a lot to do with that run, but that's it. It's the heart trophy, the three second team all-stars, the leading the league in shutouts and a, a run to the finals when they lost in game seven. And so really the only thing for me, because honestly uh, I don't buy the heart is this run to the finals where they lost in game seven and could easily have won a cup. I think he's got a pretty weak case. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I suspect he's one of those goalies that benefits from playing in the original six, um, playing for a relatively long period of time relative to the standards of the era. And, you know, guys sort of being like, hey, we need to induct more Rangers. <laughs> There's not a lot of Rangers in the hall in the 1970s. I don't know. Um, it's, it's a pretty underwhelming case. His hair is not great. Um, at least the picture on the picture on, uh, hockey references hairs. It must've just taken off his mask or he, oh no, wait, did he wear a mask? Probably not. He's just got a very strange haircut. Um, I don't know. I don't know that that matters to anybody. <laughs> but, it matters to us. Yeah. Yeah, you know, his hair looks pretty similar um, on Wikipedia. Anyway, 
what do you have any strong feelings about oh yeah he also he also uh didn't quite win a memorial cup but led his team to the memorial cup as well that's what last thing well yeah i i i don't know i feel like I feel like he's got a like sort of I did some important things kind of case, but I don't think he was ever dominant to the extent that we want goalies to be in order to get into the hall, right? Yeah, I mean, I would say he wasn't dominant, uh, given yeah. that like he only led the league in shutouts once, which still well, there are goalies in the Hall of Fame who haven't led the league in shutouts, but yeah. you know, a lot of that's or, team dependent. There's only yeah, original six as well, you know. Yeah. Um. But also, like he, yeah, he had the, the one season where he played an absolute ton. He was a bit of a workhorse, but he wasn't like the workhorse. And he just didn't like. He doesn't stand out in terms of his competition. He might have, if we recorded save percentage, we have no idea. But in terms of GAA, he does not stand out among his competition at all. Um. And you know, he was, despite playing all the time. He only got his shitty franchise to the playoffs twice in um, how many years was it? Like seven years or six, eight years or something. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know it's not on all him. Um, he was on he was on the Rangers for eight years. So yeah, twice in eight years. Um, and I just don't know. You know, we talked about this a lot. I don't know that we should be rewarding players who just had like would have been better had they just signed with a different franchise, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel bad often and sometimes I think players are underrated because they got shitty luck. Uh, But it's also like if Rayner really was one of the best goalies of his era, you presume he would have had a few more shutouts or he would have a, a, a higher GAA despite his shitty team. Um, and maybe, maybe save percentage would change my perspective. If we had that, I'd be like, oh, okay, he's got this, you know, he was top couple of goalies and save percentage every year. Never mind. But we don't have that. And like, I, I'm not going to go back and watch the uh, the Rangers Red Wings series of 1950, I'm sorry to say. What? What? You're not going to do that instead of watching March Madness today? How yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, maybe if I did, maybe I'd be like, oh, well, he stole these games that they won and they had no no business being in the series. And maybe that would change my mind. And honestly, if you've watched that, you know, if you're listening out there and you've li- if you watch those games, by all means, let us know. But, like, without doing that, I just I, I just don't see it. Like, in, in fact, I was more like okay with him being in before I went through the notes because I did the notes a while ago. Um, but right now, reminding me, I was like, oh yeah, this case his case is kind of bad. If you if you reject his heart trophy, which I do, um, for for many reasons, one of which I think there was a better goalie in the league, but also you know uh, the Rangers in uh, 1950. Hold on a second. Um, they did go to the Stanley Cup Finals, of course. But they were they squeaked into the playoffs. Now you could say, oh, it was because of Rayner. Sure. You know, the, the Red Wings who beat them in the Stanley Cup final were a much better team. And it's not even close. Yeah. Like Hockey Reference has a um something called simple rating system that uh that tries to say like how good this team is compared to the rest of the league without having to look at the goal differential and all that stuff, it takes that into account. The Red Wings that year 
were the best team in the league and they were way, way better than the Canadians who were the second best team in the league. By the simple rating system, the Rangers were actually like a bad team. They made the playoffs because four out of six teams in the NHL made the playoffs in 1950. Then Rainer presumably stood on his head and some players on his team got hot and they managed to win the first round of the playoffs. So there were two rounds of the playoffs. So we're talking about a super small sample. So, you know, I don't believe in the heart case, really. The fact that they couldn't even give him the first team goalie, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard, but I just, I don't, I don't see it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for someone, as, as you always say, Bill, I'm happy for someone to buy me a beer and change my mind. But right now, I am, uh, I think I'm actually, I've gone from being like, meh, before we started the episode to being like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, eh? Like, you, sometimes you read through a case and you thought it was okay, and you're like, there's not a lot there. Like, yeah. Like, it's literally, I led, it's his case is, I led the league in shutouts once, and I dragged my shitty team to the Stanley Cup, to one goal or one game within the Stanley Cup. Yeah, well, once. it's like, it's kind of like a Hextall case, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, here's Houston's, the thing about Hextall. Yeah. Hextall did help pioneer, uh, like, more puck handling, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's an yeah. important player. Like, I feel I, like I, he's I got a more of a like legacy than that. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, like, well, it's most people just remember him as being like a maniac out on the ice, but like he was an amazing puck handler. He dominated some seasons. Like that, those Flyers teams were not fantastic, um, and you know he brought them to within, you know, within a couple of goals of beating the Edmonton Oilers of all teams. Yeah. I mean, like really impressive stuff but you know sort of like was he the best goalie of his era you're like i don't know i i feel like he wasn't you know like yeah. I, I feel like it's a bit of a similar case even though i think hextall has a better case um i bet hextall has like a better case kind of the same sort of hextall thing where it's like you took a team that was like good but I, not great i think the, the 80s the flyers were much better than the 1950 rangers i don't think it's close personally yeah, you know, that's probably true, right? It's, I think the 80s Flyers are better than you're giving them credit. They were pretty, the mid-80s Flyers were pretty good. Like, if you look I, at their goal know, difference. I'd have to go back, like, they were, they were consistently, they were consistently good, like, every year. But I wouldn't say, like, how many Hall of Famers they have on that team? Mark Howe. And anybody else? Uh, by that point, I guess Bobby Clark was retired, right? Yep. Um, well, they, they, that's true, but they had a bunch of like, not borderline Hall of Famers, but guys who are like Hall of Very Good, like Brian Propp and uh, Tim Kerr. That's true. Yeah. yeah you know what? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not. And, and Brad credit, McCrimmon but, would also probably be in Hall of Very Good. Yeah, but I still don't think they come anywhere close to beating no. the Oilers. No, no, you're right. No, I'm not. Sorry, I'm not comparison to the Oilers. I mean more in reference to uh, Chuck Rayner's. Uh, like, you've never even heard of the leading scorer of the 1950 Rangers. Neither had I, you know? Yeah, it drags like a... Drags like a yeah, they were like... a team of bums, but like a team that had no business being there kind of thing. In a league that had 12 teams instead of six, th- those Rangers would not have made the playoffs, would be my guess. Yeah, okay. That's that, that, that's fair. But I, I still think it's a fairly apt comparison in that, like, his case would largely be based on this guy brought a team to the cup final and almost won it. And that team should not have like either should not have been there or should not have come that close to winning. 
So yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. And I think that is the best. Honestly, it's that and Leather League and shutouts. Those are his real things to hang his hat on. And that's cool, but you need to do more of that, I think. Especially given our net, our current standards of letting goalies in, which are basically, like you said, Bill, win a cup and stick around for a really long time. Otherwise, you, you have to have, like, won multiple dozens or something, you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, I feel like we're definitively agreed on that um so up next we have the guy who um prior to bobby Orr would have been viewed as i think this probably the best defenseman of all time it's between him and eddie shore he doesn't have the heart trophies but he does have the norris trophies and he has a ton of them and that is doug harvey winner of seven norrises which was a record until bobby Orr got rid of that record um a little bit later um but otherwise widely acclaimed as even to this day, there are many people, if you go on, say the uh, history of hockey forum, uh, the famous one that said hockey's future, there are people who will tell you Doug Harvey is the second greatest defenseman of all time still to this day. Um, whether or not that's true. I mean, I have no idea. I, uh, I of course never saw him play because my parents hadn't met each other yet when he retired. Um, but also, we don't have as much information about Doug Harvey as we do about Bobby Orr, and especially as we do about um, the the you know Headman and Burns and Doughty and Keith and uh, well even like Pronger, uh, like the end of Pronger's career and Lindstrom's career and those guys, because we don't have ice time for Doug Harvey, which is for me a huge proxy for uh, like trust of your coach. I always, that's how I view ice, like really large ice time numbers is the coaches like this is the, this guy is the guy who I'm going to put on the ice. Um, I trust him more than anyone else. Um, but also notably, we don't have a plus minus, which I understand is a shitty stat in individual games, but, but I still think it's relevant to a defenseman um, who played it for a very long time as Doug Harvey did uh, because Doug Harvey is a career plus 46 wow. and the reason he's a career plus 46 is because plus minus now we when he retired he actually retired the first time he retired twice the first time he retired before plus minus existed as a league stat however since then the team data teams were recording it since at least 1959 those that information has been uploaded so now we know he was plus 53 on the habs for the tail end of his career with the Habs. And he was also uh, minus 17 with the Rangers. Um, we have no idea the vast majority of his career was spent pre plus minus. And I understand that as an individual stat, it sucks. It's not good. It, it you know, a player can be minus three in a game and it, it's not their fault. However, in the aggregate, especially if you're on a team as dominant as the 1950s Habs, you should have a like off the charts plus minus, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So not knowing that it doesn't mean much really. We have the Norris trophies. However, I just wanted to point that out because like I would have expected this guy certainly to be like in the Savard, uh, LaPointe, possibly even Robinson territory. Um, along with like Belvo, right? Um, had, had we actually tracked the stat, but we have no idea. Instead he's a plus 53 for his time with the Habs, which is literally two seasons. Because every other season he played with the Habs is they weren't tracking it. Anyway, whatever. Um, 
so yeah, possibly greatest defenseman of all time pre-Bobby Orr. Um, he played from 19... Oh, sorry, I said he retired once, or twice. He retired three times. Uh, he played from 1947 to 1964. He then played from 66 to 67, and then 68 to 69. Um, so he played basically uh, with uh, the Habs almost his entire career, famously. He then also briefly played for the Rangers for three seasons, and then he retired. Then he played for Detroit, which no one remembers. He played two games. I don't even know, like, what was that about? Maybe it was a yeah. poor comeback. And then he also uh, briefly played for the Blues, his very last hurrah, when he was 44. Man. It's also worth noting. That about Doug, back in those days either. Yeah, right? yeah. It is also worth noting about Doug Harvey that his first season in the league came in his age 23 season. So, as we know, at least forwards peak early, earlier. Like, that's around when forwards peak. Defensemen peak later. But we don't know how much, like, had he come up sooner with a less deep team, we also don't know if he would have any more accolades. Though he didn't get his first accolade till like, his fifth season. So, um, all right. When he retired for the first time in 64, he was 13th all-time among defensemen and goals. Uh, Hockey Reference tells you 21st, but it's just worth noting that, like, eight of the players ahead of him were half-time forwards, like Red Kelly... Doug, Doug Moans, uh, Dick Clapper, those sorts of people. Uh, he is uh, at his his first retirement. He's first all time in assists by a defenseman, uh, but technically second behind Red Kelly. But of course, Red Kelly was already a center by the time that this was happening, and had played like four or five years as a center. So he is also uh, second all time in points by a defenseman uh, behind uh, Red Kelly. Um, and Schmidt, and uh, I think, and whoever the actual person he's behind, it's probably Goldsworthy. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, uh, did I say Goldsworthy? I meant Gadsby. Bill Gadsby. Sorry. Goldsworthy is a totally different guy. I meant Bill Gadsby. Um, anyway, um, he was fourth all time in, in games as well as first retirement behind. Games among all players, not just defensemen behind Gordie Howe, Bill Gadsby, and Rick Kelly. And he was fourth all-time in total point shares. Total. Behind Gordie Howe, Red Kelly, Maurice Richard. And technically, he, that makes him the first defenseman because, of course, Red Kelly had switched to forward by this point. He was also first all-time in defo- uh, defensive point shares by 7.5, which is like multiple excellent seasons back then. Um, at his retirement, he was seven, he was sorry fourth all time in offensive point shares by a defenseman. Uh, the players ahead of him include some forwards, so it's going to be more than three. And that's Red Kelly, Dick Clapper, Milt Schmidt, who Hockey Reference classifies as a defenseman and forward for reasons I don't understand. Eddie Shore, Bill Gadsby, and King Clancy. So great company there. Um, he doesn't qualify for the gold per game leaderboard, obviously, and he wouldn't have qualified for points per game either. But if we Lower the uh, so first of all, before we get to that, he was first all time in assists per game uh, among defensemen at his retirement. So the best offensive defenseman, if you think assists per game or how you judge that, of all time when he retired, uh, the people ahead of him are Milt Schmidt, who doesn't make sense, and Ray Kelly, um, who was arguably the best offensive defenseman all time prior to this point, but of course he became a forward. Um, and if you lower the qualifiers, so he makes it for goals and assists. Well, actually, we just did it for points, sorry, uh, because goals uh, 
goals were really he was way below um uh he's uh first all time in in points per game by a defenseman uh behind three guys who were all who all played forward more than a little bit um and he was only one of five d who qualified of the 12 defensemen to play in at least 739 or 738 games nine modern seasons between 1947 and 1964 he's third in goals fourth in goals per game First in assists, first in assists per game, second in points, first in points per game, fourth in plus minus, second in offensive point shares, first in defensive point shares by that same 7.5 number, first in point shares, and second in game. So he's like the best defenseman of the era, aside from goal scoring, which doesn't matter. Basically, like across the board, almost. His uh, 82 game average is uh, 40 points plus three, but of course we, you know, the plus minus is for the tail end of that. His three-year peak from 54 to 57 is a 70-game average of 66 points and a whopping 10.1 point shares. I say whopping because this was a 70-game league. You expect to see 10.1 point shares on an excellent defenseman season now. Uh, I know Lidstrom exceeded that a few times, but like 10.1 for a 70-game season is quite high. It means he was very important, at least as far as point shares can figure out. Um, Playoff-wise, he was sixth all-time in goals among defensemen as retirement, first all-time um, in assists. And here's the thing. He was 10 ahead of Red Kelly at this point, but 24 ahead of Pelot. And this is his first retirement. So Pelot really hadn't... Pelot was like halfway through his career, maybe not even halfway, but he was so far ahead of every other defenseman full-on defenseman it's not even close yeah. in terms of playoff assists now some of that comes from playing as much as he did because he was on the Habs but anyway he was also uh first all-time in points he was six all-time in plus minus um, among all players but of course uh that was only recorded for the tail end of his career and we're talking about like so because this is we're talking about 64 we're talking about like five years four years plus minus data or something he was fourth all-time in total playoff games played behind Red Kelly, Maurice Richard, and Gordie Howe. Uh, obviously, he doesn't qualify for goals per game leaderboard in the playoffs, um, but he was second all-time in playoff assists per game among defensemen, only four qualifying players, and he was first all-time um, in playoff points per game, only two qualifying players, so take that with a grain of salt. If you set the qualifier absurdly low, he was last of unqualifying defensemen in goals per game. We don't really care about that. He's a defenseman. <laughs> of the 27 goalie, uh, goalies defensemen to play in at least 41 playoff games between 47 and 64, he is first in playoff goals, though Red Kelly is ahead of him by 22. But of course, by that point, for at least four years, Red Kelly had been playing um, forward. Uh, eighth in playoff goals per game, but he obviously wouldn't qualify. He's first in playoff assists, and he's ahead by 24, which is a ton. Second in playoff assists per game, first in playoff points, second in playoff points per game, third in playoff plus minus, and first in games because he played for the Habs. The hockey reference adjustment for ERA uh, bumps up his goals and assists as it is wont to do for original six players. Um, it makes him tied 25th all-time in adjusted assists per game among defensemen, but that's it. Uh, he doesn't qualify for the versus X adjustment for goals, 
and it really likes him though uh, for assists and bumps him up a bunch. He was also traded once at 36 to the Rangers for Lou Fontanato, um, who I believe I know more as a coach, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't he coach the Penguins or somebody? Not sure. Um, Maybe not. Maybe I'm confusing him with somebody else. Let me look him up. I feel like he was a player that had his career ended early due to injury, if I'm okay. not mistaken. Because no, uh, really rings a bell. Okay. Um, I was about to say, no, he played until some ridiculous age, but I was looking at the wrong profile. Um, he played until 63. Um, I guess he didn't. I thought he, I, I must be confusing him with somebody else. Um, he was a fighter. Feared enforcer of his time. Anyway, it's weird that that they traded Doug Harvey. They must have thought Doug Harvey was done to trade him for a goon. Oh, anyway, yeah. So, so uh, just just to give a little bit of background on Fontanato, I was right. It was his career was ended due to injury because I uh, it happened in Montreal. Also, like I've okay. heard about it on the radio a lot from like old timers who have radio shows and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Uh, so his career came to an abu- abrupt and violent end in 1963 at the Montreal Forum when he tried to check Vic Hadfield and missed. Um, and slammed headfirst into the boards. He was paralyzed for a month. Oof, that's yeah, terrible. So that was the that was the end of his playing days. I knew I'd heard something about that. Yeah. Um, but went on to live a long and healthy life. He uh, passed away in 2016. Wow. So, good yeah, he lived a good, good long yeah. life after that. So it's good. Um. So, uh, Doug Harvey's accomplishments. He finished top five in heart voting four times, which is a lot for a defenseman. Basically, every year from 54 to 58. And one of those years, he was top three. That's 58. Who was he behind in 58? He was behind Gordy Howe and Andy Bathgate. So two of the best players in the league. Um, best forwards, rather. Uh, he also famously won the Norris um, seven times, which was a record. In fact, it was way more than a record at the time. He had more Norris's than anybody, because partly because the Norris didn't exist when Eddie Shore was playing. Um, but like, I don't think anyone won a, more than one Norris until like Pierre Pelote won a couple after Doug Harvey, because yeah. Doug Harvey the Norris came in '54 when Red Kelly won it, and then Doug Harvey won it in '55, '56, '57, '58, '60, '61, and '62. Now. Many years ago on my old blog, I did a uh, reevaluating Norris post, and I personally, without watching any games, keep in mind, decided that Doug Harvey probably deserved three Norris trophies, not seven, uh, which put him all time behind Ray Bork and Bobby Orr, and possibly also Lidstrom and Horton, depending on how you decided to tally them up. I I clearly gave a bunch to Tim Orton that he didn't get. Um, and my memory of why I did that is because Doug Harvey is one of those players that has at least one Norris that he won when he was minus. And um, that is his final one uh, in 62, which definitely feels like a legacy Norris. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, because he went to a new team and he also came in second in heart voting. So actually, sorry, it's five times he finished. Uh, and, and who did he finish? Second two in heart voting in that year. Jacques Plant, the year that Jacques Plant, I actually thought a goalie should win the heart trophy. 
It was a close vote. Yeah, really was. close vote. Yeah, Jock Flunt had twenty nine percent of the vote. Doug Harvey had eighteen. That's one of the closest votes you'll see. Uh, Bobby Hull, who had uh, eighty four points in probably seventy games and fifty goals, came in third. Um, interesting. Anyway, uh, Doug Harvey was a minus nine. Of course, nobody knew that in six in sixty two, but he was a minus nine. Um, which again, it's not to be all end all, but it does indicate that like his team wasn't necessarily winning games when he was, you know, it was the Rangers though. So what are you going to do, right? Um, since then, Bobby Orr, of course, eclipsed him for the most Norris votes ever. It's worth noting he also finished top five another two times, um, once in '54 before his crazy run beca- began, which was of course the first year of the Norris. We don't know if he would have won more Norris trophies if the trophy was available for the first like seven seasons of his career. And then again in 59, when he somehow came in fourth after winning it four years in a row, which I think is just really weird and funny. (laughs) Who do you come in fourth to? Uh, Let's see. Um, Tom Johnson, his teammate was first. They decided this year, they're like, we're not giving it to you, Doug. We're giving you probably your pair. I don't know if they were paired together or not, but and then Bill Gadsby, and then uh, Marcelo Pronovost. All right. Uh, so he was a first All-Star 10 times, which is the second most by a defenseman ever behind Ray Bork, who has a preposterous, I think it's like, Bork has like 15 or 14 or something. Yeah, nobody will ever break that again. Yeah, he was also a second All-Star. He made the second All-Star team once. So he, is the, he has the third most end-of-season All-Star team appearances by a defenseman after Bork and Lidstrom. Which is quite impressive. And so he also had the record for, for years. Uh, he also was in 13 All-Star games. He was a top five player by point shares once in 58. Uh, I believe he did win the Norris that year. He did. In, in, uh, he was also a, a top 10 player six times by uh, regular point shares, 52, 54, 55, 56, 57. He was the best defensive player by defensive point shares, keeping in mind that uh, plus minus would contribute the goal differential rather would contribute to this and we didn't have it for players before this but three times the only other players who have ever done that more are Chris Chelios and Bobby Orr keep in mind they both did it when um, you know point differential existed for individual players so there's more information there and also Chris Chelios um, I don't think he let it he did that before actually I think it was only before ice time happened so so it's not, um, it's maybe, anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, Chelios and Orr are ahead of him. So only only them. Uh, also, he's top five, six times. So he was best defensive player uh 50, 57, 58, and uh, top five in 49, 56, and 59. And he is top 10, 13 times, tied second most ever, uh, behind only Nick Lidstrom. But of course, Lidstrom's are a little more real um, because, of course, uh, you know, Doug Harvey's uh, in 1669 are, are, are better. Uh, anyway, it's, I mean, it's a flawed metric. It doesn't matter. He was top five in assists twice, uh, which was quite surprising for a defenseman. I think Ray Kelly, probably only person who's doing that before for among defensemen and top 10, four times. He's top five in assists per game, three times, top 10, five times. He is one of only 24 players ever at his first retirement Uh to have 40 assists twice and one of only technically 
two, but really one, sorry, technically three, but really two defensemen. Greg Kelly and Bill Gadsby, of course, Kelly probably put up both of those uh, players. Uh, sorry, both those seasons when he was a forward. He led the league in plus minus once, despite it being recorded only for the last third of his career. So very first season it was recorded, he led the league in plus minus, which shouldn't be a surprise given his reputation. His versus X peak, we can't do for goals and points. But for assists, he's, he, his best seven seasons ranked 68th. And for best 10, he ranks 69th in terms of assists. So top 75 offensive player in terms of passing anyway. Um, but he didn't score enough otherwise. Lastly, you may have known this about him already. He won some cups. Shocking everyone. Um, <laughs> so, however, it's worth noting uh, that because a lot that we don't have ice time, it's really hard to say what his role was. And so we end up saying he was the best defenseman by points and he led the playoffs in plus minus on the 60 Canadians who won the cup. He was the best defenseman by points on four uh, champions, uh, cup winners in 56, 57, 58, and 59. So literally like one, they won five in a row. Did they, they, I think they won five in a row. Yeah, they won five in a row. Um, and then he was a top two defenseman by points on uh, the 53 Canadians, which is the first time he won a cup, as well as in 52 uh, when they lost and 68 blues when they also lost uh but we're going by points so we don't actually know the role and then top four by points on the 54 canadians in which uh they lost and uh a bunch of other years where they only got eliminated in the first round i mention all this because it looks like it makes him look like he's the best defenseman um on five uh of the six tops he won but we don't know for sure it's more likely it was all six i would say probably um based on his reputation and we don't and like i i looked at all of them uh and i think goalies and uh um forwards generally probably were more deserving of like hypothetical con smiths uh but i don't know because um you know uh we don't have ice time yeah. so it's uh it's hard to know so the question really with doug harvey and it's hard for us to answer given the the flawed knowledge we have flawed information rather the the lack of facts i guess yeah. is is doug harvey one of the top like three defensemen of all time or not it's not really a question of you know our usual question is does he belong in the hall like with chuck rayner and it doesn't really apply to doug harvey it's like where does he rank all time among defensemen? And he might be some people, people who probably watched him in his prime might even say he's one or two. And people who haven't seen him probably more likely to say he's top five or even lower. Yeah. Uh, remember, I, I think I've spoken about this many times, but uh, one of my friend's dads growing up is actually even older than my parents who are quite old for, <laughs> for the, you know, the general age of parents for of, of kids. Yeah. My age. yeah. And uh, he would talk about the old days, and he would always talk about Doug Harvey. He's like, he was the best defenseman I ever saw until Bobby Orr came along. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he had grown up watching hockey in the, you know, uh, 40s and 50s. So, like, he really knew, like, a lot of those old players. And he was like, Doug Harvey was, you know, 
it was like basically just like watching somebody run on their skates. They were just he was so much faster than everybody else. Like he just yeah. did everything differently. And then you know Bobby Orr came along and sort of uh, took it to another level. But uh, he, he always very very fondly remembered Doug Harvey. So I very controversially I had him tenth on my list mm-hmm. um, when we did the episode. I had to remind myself because it was so long ago when we did our top ten. Yeah. Um, I don't remember where you had him. I can't um, remember, but I think higher than you did. Yeah, but I did that partly because I was just doing like relative, like some guys got some bumps for other things, like offensive stats. Like I had Paul Coffey higher, which is probably sacrilege, and that was based on the fact that he was, you know, scoring like crazy. Um. Uh, but like I look at that list now, and I think maybe Paul Coffey being above him is ridiculous. But like the other people. Like I had Ray Bork above him, I had Eddie Shore above him, I had Lidstrom above him, I had Pop Van above him, I had McKinnis above him, and Robinson above him, and Red Kelly. So okay, Red Kelly, Al McKinnis, Paul Coffey, I sure I'll kick out above him. <laughs> the other guys, I honestly don't know. I have no idea. He has more Norris trophies than all all but one of them. But like, I'm not mad that I have those people above him. Like, it doesn't worry me, I guess, is what I'm saying. You know, like, to me, um, I I didn't see Larry Robinson play, and I didn't really see Popin play. But, like, I don't know. Their reps are so huge that I, I uh, you know, I'm okay with them being above. And then, of course, I watched Lizrum's whole career, half of Bork's career, Obviously, didn't see Bobby Orr, but you and I are both very clear how we feel about Bobby Orr on the show. Yeah. And then Eddie Shore won four heart trophies, and as much as I think one of them was bullshit, he won four heart trophies. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Um, I do think my ranking is a little mean. I don't. I and mean, I honestly, I might have even changed it during the actual episode. I don't remember. Um, but, like, because I might have bumped Red Kelly out of it because, you know, he wasn't really a defenseman his whole career. Uh, but I do sort of feel like it's really hard to know without going back and watching a ton of Habs games. Like you said, the, this uh, this person you you know um, said, you know, you can, there are a lot of people who will tell you that. A lot of people will say best defenseman ever until they saw Bobby Orr. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, but honestly, for me, until I see the ice time stats in particular, but also the plus minus, mostly the ice time, <laughs> I, I I think I'm okay with the fact that I don't necessarily have them, obviously, in my top five. And yeah, maybe that's I, sacrilegious. I don't know. It's, it, Ray Bork it's was tough, right? really, really good. <laughs> We, we, we have that recency bias where if we saw a guy play, we we're always going to think that guy was better than other people that we didn't see play. Yeah. Um, unless, like, the, the case, like in Bobby Orr's case, is overwhelming of, like, this yeah. guy is so good. Like, you cannot argue it. That yeah. He's, you know, I think even for people who, like, hold firm to the Lemieux-Gretzky, uh, how, like, triumvirate of forwards yeah. is the greatest players ever. Like, or I think minimum coming in top five, even if you're a person who's like, no, scorers like are my thing in hockey and you don't care about defensemen, it's like you're still putting Bobby Orr top five, I think. Uh, yeah, the honestly, this this debate is going on all the time on the Hockey History Forum about yeah. whether or not Connor McDavid belongs with 
the so-called top four who yeah. you just mentioned or Mount Rushmore as some people say um, yeah, and a lot of it also it also cheeses me off a little bit that Rocket Richard is not right there with yeah because he and Howard basically arguably whichever way you felt they were the one two like they were the Crosby of Etchkin of their yeah. era um so to like not even have him named ever in the top four is like well, blasphemy in Montreal obviously but like yeah. to me it's like he he was the first guy to ever score 500 goals 50 goals like won five straight cups <laughs> you know he was, yeah he's pretty important right like it's him yeah yeah it's him but and, how, and I don't understand why he's never never put well it's the longevity it's the longevity yeah. how played for ever and That's then true. Yeah, yeah yeah and so when Gretzky came along it was Howe's records he was competing yeah. against right yeah. at least in terms of like not the single season stuff but yeah. even then I think Howe was the first among the first players ever to score 100 points if not the first player to score 100 in a season I don't remember now um anyway um I don't know I mean to me I'm I'm very open to like the idea that Doug Harvey is is still a top five defenseman, but I would like ice time to help me verify that. Yeah. And maybe, honestly, if maybe it comes back and he was playing 30 minutes a game in those five cups he won in a row, I might like, I might bump him up to the top three or even higher, honestly, yeah. if, if I saw that. And people will be like, oh, well, you could just go watch the games or whatever. It's like, well, I'm not, first of all, I'm, I have a job, <laughs> you know? As you said, Bill, I got March Madness this afternoon. Uh, you know, I there are other concerns I have in life than proving that Doug Harvey is <laughs> the second or seventh best defenseman of all time. Yeah, but he's, um, he's, he's at least like I, I I don't think it's arguable he's top ten of all time. I think that. Oh yeah, I think there's no no way he isn't. Uh, yeah. And I think honestly, is he, is like top, I said, is he top five? Is he top three? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I look at my ranking from that episode we did i'm like this this is mean to him that's the problem with going <laughs> this is the problem with like putting stats first right is like well yeah well, that's why i didn't look at him at all <laughs> yeah uh, but i do think that like i would be swayed more if i knew he was playing 30 minutes a game for those top champions because then i would just be like because that to me the sign that you are like the most important guy on your team is when your coach is playing you half the game in the Stanley Cup Finals. So Pronger, Lidstrom, uh, deep cut Sergei Zubov. Uh, you know, uh, Drew Doughty got was playing 27 minutes on at least one of those Kings teams. Um, you know, Keith. Um, I I've used that or like for forwards. I would if forwards are playing like 23, 24 minutes, like per game in the cup final, even without watching. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch. You shouldn't make these judgments without watching. I'm saying, like, if you see that, you know that the coach is like, this is the most important guy, right? And I think that's a real vote of confidence, um, for lack of a better word. And without that, you can look at the stats all you want from times before we watched hockey because neither of us were alive and my parents were not married. Um, my parents hadn't met, as I said. <laughs> it's still we're still taking a bit of word for it, you know. And it's we there are people who, of course, do go back and watch these games. You know, the Hockey History Forum, for example, has these like let's watch and it's a YouTube video of a particular hockey game. Um, 
And so, you know, if you've watched Doug Harvey a lot and you really do think he's like top couple, like that's great. And I strongly encourage everybody who does that to keep telling everybody who still, who you know, now about how great he was. But like, as we've talked about many, many times, I have some skepticism about the ward voting in the past because the voters can't be trusted. And they've demonstrated this routinely throughout their history. The Hockey Writers Association votes for random dudes sometimes. And you're just like, wait, what? You know, yeah. uh, and they, they, they still do it sometimes when they have the Internet to be able to, like, make sure they don't do it, you know? Yeah. So it's really as much as seven Norris trophies is mind blowingly good. I just still, at the end of the day, have a little bit of reticence of like, are they, are those seven Norris trophies real? How real are they? Did he really deserve five? Did he really deserve, if the Norris trophy was invented in 1945, maybe he deserved 10. We don't, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Um, Because he, it's not like he was not good before 1954. It's just that's when the Norris Trophy was invented, which is another thing that drives me crazy about hockey. And they're like piecemeal, like, oh, we're going to add this award. We're going to add, we're start tracking this stat. It's like, if you just done all of this when you started, or at least in the beginning of the original six era, would make our lives for this podcast, purposes of this podcast anyway, much easier, which is the most important thing in the world, I think. Yeah. 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 Anyway. All right. Now my spiel's over. Uh, Chuck Rayner, yay or nay? I'm going to say no. Yeah, me too. And again, open to someone telling me that I'm wrong on this. Yep, 100%. But like, at least in terms of looking at his stats, he is he is not one of the top couple goalies of his era, I think, pretty clearly. Yeah. And Doug Harvey, uh, obviously along to the Hall of Fame. Off the top of your head, where would you rank him among defensemen all time? Huge pressure. Yeah, it is huge pressure. Um, definitely top five. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, if he's if he's not top five, he's like you're you're debating between five and six sort of thing. I, yeah. I feel like may, maybe with a deeper dive, maybe top three, but like you've got or Bork, Lidstrom, like ah, it's pretty tough. Yeah, pretty tough without having watched his whole career to want to p- put him above e- like any of those three guys. Um, yeah, and, and I up- I struggle with I struggle with Pavan, yeah. I struggle with Robinson, I struggle yeah. with. Uh, I, honestly, if I was being less le- trying to be less objective, if I was completely subjective, I'd be totally putting Chris Bonger in this list. I know he's not tough. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I I love Bonger too. I was actually the temptation him. is there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think top five is is very reasonable. And I think, like you said earlier, I think there's a strong case for top three. Certainly by Norris trophies, he's he's top three. Yeah. Um, But it's just like, it really would require a lot of, like, watching of grainy Habs yeah. footage, I feel like, to really be like. And the other thing about that is hockey was so different then. Like, yeah, and defense and playing defense was so different then. I'm pretty confident that if I watching like 1953 Doug Harvey or 1952 Doug Harvey, he might be a bold like player at his position doing things that no one ever did before. I wouldn't know. 
Yeah. Because I haven't watched defensemen in the 40s, in the 30s, in the 20s. So that's the other thing about going back and watching this stuff is it's you can look at it through the lens of the present and be like, oh, wow, he moves pretty good or whatever. But you also don't know how much like I know. I only know Red Kelly changed the position because I see the stats, right? Red Kelly and then later Doug Harvey scored more as a defenseman relative to the league scoring than most people had previously, you know, immediately. Yeah. So you can tell he was doing something different, even without watching footage. You you know Red Kelly was doing something different. Yeah. But like and, and Doug Harvey as well. But like beyond that, it's it's like you don't actually know like you know, the tradition is defensemen really hung back, but you also see like Harry Cameron, like, you know, scoring, you know, being in like top five in goal scoring in like 1922 or I don't know what year it was, but like one year. Yeah. So defensemen, the role was really different in the twenties. And then it clearly evolved into something else. I mean, they weren't even called defensemen at one point, what they were called yeah. points, right? Point and counterpoint yeah. or whatever it was. Um, cover point, cover point. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, Anyway, it's just it just makes it very I know we talk about this every episode basically, but it does make it very hard to judge in the past, even if you did put in the effort to watch the footage. You'd have to watch so much footage to really get context. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway, uh Tommy Smith, I think we were both very much agreed, belonged in the Hall of Fame because he we gave him three NHA MVPs. I think it's pretty hard to to bump him out. Yep. So I think it's safe to say that at least two out of three this class actually pretty good rainer yep. yeah but like two out of three ain't, ain't, ain't bad to uh <laughs> accidentally quote meatloaf i'm sorry <laughs> i didn't I mean to <laughs> uh anyway so uh we will be back sometime in the future with the 1972 class or one of our fabled uh winger episodes top top winger episodes which we will record one day we swear we swear yeah, we promise we'll do it yeah one day all right. Thanks very much for listening, and we will see you next time.